0: Thank you, Lord, for this opportunity, Lord, for us to come together and share your word and be in your presence, Lord. We thank you for your spirit, your goodness. Thank you for the privilege of being called to your children. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. Thank you for being amongst us. You're a good God. Amen. This is my Bible. I have what it says I have. I am what it says I am. And I can do what it says I can do. Praise God. I like that voice there. (laughs) Child's voice. God loves it. Praise God. All right, I want to talk to you tonight about Power of declaration. I had this sermon prepared last week, but uh, got sidetracked (laughs) through a few people's declarations. Anyway, I uh, I got on this uh, because I was, you know, I was playing botch in a tournament. Game goes up to 16, and I beat the first guy 16 to nothing. I mean, it normally never happens, you know, because you're playing good guys. and Sixteen nothing. I was like, wow. Second guy I had him seven to nothing, six to nothing. And he said to me, uh, "Wow, well, I'm going to get shut out." And instead of staying zoned in, I said, "Nah, that's not going to happen. You're not going to get shut out." And right then and there, it was, that was it. He scored, and then I just I, I lost. <laughs> So it was the kind of thing where I just knew when I said it, I said, you know what, I shouldn't have said it. Uh, But words are powerful. And uh, they can really create your reality. The classic scripture is uh, Proverbs 18 to 21. It says, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. That's the classic scripture. What you say, you're ending up eating the fruit that comes out of your mouth. Because really what comes out of your mouth is really what's coming out of your heart. And if anybody saw me checking my phone during worship, it wasn't because I was just checking my messages. (laughs) Scripture comes to you and I had to find it. Oh, it's 25. Instead of 2015, it was 25. This is a Proverbs, this is, it says, well, counsel, uh, 25, uh, 20 verse 5 says, counsel in the heart of man is like deep water, but a man of understanding will draw it out. But it's not really the exact scripture I was looking for. It's more like, uh, yeah, what's deep in your heart is really what comes out of your mouth. You know, the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks, that's another scripture, but In essence, what's coming out of your mouth is really uh, what's down deep in your spirit, and it just comes out, especially when you're full of that. And uh, it has power. Remember, Jesus says it's not what goes into the body and then comes out, you know, the normal way out of the drought. That's that's not what defiles a man. What defiles a man is what comes out of his mouth, because that comes out of your heart, your spirit. And that's what defiles a man. But what the pastor said a couple of weeks ago really profoundly hit me. I was sitting there in a Sunday service and he said, uh, Psalm 103.20, he says, Bless the Lord, ye his angels, he was talking about the angels, that excel in strength, that do his commandments, hearkening on to the voice of his word. That, uh, that caused me to pause. That's a profound statement. That's a pretty powerful statement. They're listening to the voice of his word to do it. Who gives voice to his word? We do. The pastor said we do, and it's right. We do. You give voice to his word, and the angels are sitting there waiting for it to happen. They're waiting, waiting to do it. You know, in Hebrews 1.14, I say, Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for them who shall be heirs of salvation? That's us. And the angels are here to minister to you. You know, I, I, one of the biggest experiences coming back from Brazil was the um, reality of The angels. You know, because when that lady genie went into that vision, uh, she saw into the spiritual world, she saw the angels. She saw their place was full of angels. She had, in the church, they had like a church angel. They held like a big, big sword and just like guarded the whole place. And they had other angels. They were there to bless people who had, you know, brought their tithe or whatever. They had their blessing ready to go. And the person gave the way they were supposed to whatever. They, they just took right off to go take care of the blessing, they'll bring the blessing. And then she saw other angels flittering and fluttering, and then uh, some were ministering to people on the ground. And and she said, and they liked to hang around the speakers. They amplified the music. They liked loud music. And then they, were, they all liked to hang around the windows because they liked lighted areas. They didn't like the dark areas. They liked lighted areas. And uh, I remember, like, you know, uh, she said, like, you know, Go bring the person near that, you know, near that area. You get more healings that way. And people were stuck to the floor where the angels were. You know, all the action was where the angels were. You know, and uh, I remember coming back from Brazil, and I said, Brenda, you wouldn't believe it. Like, I mean, this, 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 this spiritual world is so real. I'm like, watch, Brenda, watch this. I said, you know, watch this. I said, angels, just grab my hand. And all of a sudden, I got yanked right up, right up in front of Brenda. She was like, couldn't believe it! I just got yanked like that. I said, "You see how real they are." And uh, when I uh, when I got back, I went to the you know Mount Zion on a Wednesday night service because that's where I was going at the time. And uh, you know, I started ministering. To everybody, everybody was just laid right out. All the band, all the because I knew where the angels were. They were up with the band members. I started there with the musicians, and then I worked my way around. Anyway, there was a big guy that was like a Harley Davidson guy, big guy. And, uh, and, I, and I yelled fire to him. He started shaking, and he went down. And then I said, angels, roll them. <laughs> because when I was in Brazil, I started to roll off. I started rolling, and I almost went off the stage. And it, was, you know, it was like a normal drop off a stage. And I'd stop right before the end, and then I'd roll back the other way. And then I'd roll, and I know what was going on. And I went to Randy Clark, and I said, hey, Randy, I said, uh, you tell me what? What happened to me? What, what was going on? He goes, that's why they call us holy rollers, you know. They roll you, you know. So I had this big Harley guy, and I said, angels, roll them. And all of a sudden, he started rolling this way, and he came right by me. I jumped him, and he ran all the way. I said, stop. And he stopped, and I said, angels, roll them this way. And he just started rolling this way. You know, and I jumped them again, you know, and everybody's watching. And I, I said, this world, it's really that, that real. And when a guy come up and he's like, he says, you know, I've been into some wild blank in my life. He goes, but this is got, this tops it. He goes, I can't, you know. Anyway, he became a blazing Christian after that, you know. But uh, the idea was the angels are there. They're really there to do his bidding, to do his word. And they're there to minister unto those, um, uh, ministering to the heirs of, of salvation. And, you know, I remember Randy Clark, it was, he would call out on stage and he'd say, uh, you know, uh, I call for visions. And nothing happened to me. And that's when I got up and I started looking around and said, how come I didn't get that? Because everything else he was yelling, I was getting, it. You know, he said, like, commit, commit. Uh, commissions, you, know, you yell commissions, and I was ah, screaming in my chest. And, and I imagine the angels were just going down delivering things as he was speaking. Um, but it, is, it was his declarations. It was speaking it, bringing it into, bringing it into existence. Uh, I was listening to the uh, crucifixion of Jesus on my Bible app. Matthew's account, and they were crying out to Pilate, Crucify Jesus, crucify Jesus. Now, Pilate's a king, right? Whatever he says, go. He didn't want to do it. You know, he knew Jesus was a just man. He's like, you know, he questioned him. He couldn't find anything. You know, why should I kill this guy? This guy didn't do anything. He knew he was a just man. He was turned over because of envy. His wife warned him to stay away. Stay away from this just man. Don't do, have anything to do with this guy. And Pilate said, look, I'm going to wash my hands. of uh, He said, I'm not guilty of his blood. And the Jews all started yelling, let his blood be on us and our children. That was their declaration. I remember when he was, uh, you know, he was, Carrying his cross, actually Simon was carrying his cross, and uh, the the Jewish women were crying. And he said, "Daughters of daughters of Jerusalem, don't be crying for me. Cry for yourselves and your children. <laughs> it's you guys that are really going to get baked out of this, not me. You know, I'll be up in three days. You and your kids are going to have a tough. Don't cry for me. You placed a curse on yourself." Let his blood be on us and our children. Now, Pilate's a king. Now, what if he says no to the crucifixion? Does it happen or not? No. Are you a king? Aren't you a king? He said you're a king. Yeah, but I don't feel like a king. I don't, you know, I don't care if you feel like it or not. He says you are. The Bible's the mirror. You're supposed to look in the mirror and not walk away and forget what kind of manner of man you are. He says you're a king. You're a king and a priest unto God. You got authority and you got angels waiting to minister unto you. Your words are enforced by the angels, demonic or otherwise. You know, ask a witch doctor who sits around cursing people. Ask him if his angels don't work for him. I remember reading a story on uh, uh, John G. Lake. He said he saw one witch doctor who was going to curse another guy in another village. He said, I'm going to kill him today. He said, how are you going to kill him? He said, I'm going to curse him. And he sat there and waited for the guy to curse him. And he, says, you know, he started saying, you know, I want his blood to boil. I want him to just burst with heat, blow up. So John G. Lake got on his horse. He ran as fast as he could to the other village, and there's the guy. He was on fire. He was about to burst, and John G. Lake broke the curse in the name of Jesus and stopped it. But he wanted to see if it worked. (laughs) The words matter? Yeah, they matter. Which doctor or Christian? Your words matter. Somebody's listening. Somebody is really listening. Pilate says, okay, we'll crucify Jesus. Jesus is crucified. Revelations 1, 5 through 6, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, this is Revelations 1, 5 through 6, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead, and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood and has made us kings and priests unto God and his father to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Jesus is the prince of the kings of the earth and were the kings and priests unto God and his father. We're kings. And kings decree things. What's a Decree. You could sneeze. Don't ever hold it in. Let it go. I don't care if you're wearing a mask or not. It's, not. it's not good for you. An order, usually having the force of law. That's what a decree is. An order, usually having the force of law. A judicial decree, by royal decree. Yeah, I, uh, I had a case once. It actually wasn't my case. Frank Blando had the case. This guy had been charged with five counts of um, selling drugs. And he was all cocky. They had offered him five to fifteen years, and he said, I ain't taking it. I'm taking it to trial. And uh, I know his name. I'm not going to mention it, but uh, I just happened to walk in that day. I had the case after him. and Judge Buckley was a small guy. You know, he had a gun in his sock all the time. You know, he was a little guy. He has glasses out like this, and he lay right at the end and he says, Mr., I'll just give you a laugh, Mr. Torres, he goes, you exercised your right to trial. Now I'm gonna exercise my right to sentence you. He goes, I hereby sentence you to seven to twenty-one years in state prison on the first count. So the guy's all cocky, like, all right, I blew trial. I got an extra, you know, 7 to 21 instead of 5 to 15. Real cocky, you know, this dead. So then he goes, uh, on the second count, I hereby sentence you to 5, excuse me, 7 to 21 years, and we're all waiting for the word. Because concurrent means at the same time. Consecutive means one after the other. you got to finish the first one, then you get to the... Consecutive to the first count. Now he's 14 to 42 now he's not like now he's getting angry you can see he's getting angry so he goes to the third count we're all waiting he says consecutive to the first two counts now he's 21 to 63 (laughs) so i leave the courtroom i couldn't take it i was like i just this is this is (laughs) so i walk back in and the the sheriff leans over to me he goes he's up to 28 and then he goes and now the guy he goes from angry to like pissed, really pissed. Then he then he's like really concerned, and now he's about to collapse. You know he's 28, to, and then he goes. And I hereby sentence you to seven to 21 years consecutive to the first four counts. He gave him 35 to 105 years. And uh, I said, <laughs> you think his words didn't matter? You think the words of a king don't matter? And after the case, after that guy got basically carried off, because he almost collapsed in the courtroom, literally, and uh, he called me up, and Judge Buckley says, he says, Frank, he goes, come on up here. I go up there, I'm in the corner of his desk. He goes, how'd you like that one? He said, how'd you like that one? I said, I don't know, Judge, that was pretty tough. That was pretty, he goes, yeah, yeah. And I walked away, I said, you know, this guy is crazy. He just wrecked this guy's life, took away his whole life, and got a charge out of it. And that's why I told people, I said, look, don't fool with these judges. They, they get a charge out of it. Don't think they feel bad anything about it. They, they get a charge out of putting you away. And uh, my point is, that word consecutive versus concurrent was everything. He's a king. He's got authority. He's got, he's got power. We've got power. Job 22 says, "Thou shalt also decree a thing and it shall be established unto you, and the light shall shine upon your ways. You shall dec- decree a thing and it shall be established unto you." Sound familiar? How about Mark 11:23? Whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things that he says shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he says. The guy says he can do it. A guy says he can't do it. They're both right. Whatever they say, they're going to get. You just keep saying it. I recall reading a book by John Osteen. And he said he had a dream there. Because he was he was all curled up in a ball. And he thought he had failed God. And uh, you know the devil was telling him that he had failed God. And that he had, had no chance. He was uh, basically a loser. He'd been rejected by God. And he wasn't preaching anymore. And he was just... In his room curled up in a ball basically and he said he had a dream because he was praying to God about it and in the dream the devil had two people in the room and he was torturing each one and one of them said I'm not taking this no more I'm walking right out of here and he just walked right out of the room so you can either listen and take it or you can leave anyway in the book he decided he says you know what I'm going to be one of them guys that just leaves. I'm not going to sit in that room and take it. And he got out his Bible, and he took out all the scriptures about you know encouragement and love of God and everything. He started declaring it over himself. And within a month or two, all the fears, everything had gone, disappeared. He had been restored 100%. But he had to take the initiative, decree those scriptures over himself. And within two months, he was all back to normal. And he got on fire for God, and you know the rest, obviously. You know, Joel Osteen and the whole ministry and everything else after that. But that was John Osteen. He took the word of God and started decreeing it over himself. Actually, if you listen to Gloria Copeland, and it's the same thing. They said they were broke. They had no money and this and that. And they, she, used to, she used to start going around the house and start declaring things this is going to be full of furniture and this is going to do this and this is going to do that. She just started declaring it. Started decreeing the thing and it came to pass. You got scriptures for it. Joel 3.10 says, Let the weak say I'm strong. Norval Hayes, Remember when he had the woman who was in the hospital or the guy who was in the hospital who was going to die? The guy had a million to one shot to live. The Holy Spirit just said to his wife, if he used Mark 11, 23, he, don't, he would not die. So he went over to the wife and said, listen, I just got told by God, if you use Mark 11:23, your husband will live and not die. So I want you from this moment on, and this guy, he had two minutes in that room, two minutes. He got the woman to say over her husband, you will live and not die. You will live and not die. My husband will live and not die. My husband will live and not die. My husband will live and not die. A year later, he gets to that church. And he said, before you get started, I want you to come up. Brings the guy up. Norval didn't even recognize him. Who are you? This is the guy that taught my wife how to pray, and this is why I'm alive today. This guy had a million to one shot to live. He couldn't even breathe. He breathed every once in a while, Norval, he said. He breathed. And 30 or 40 seconds later, that's how he was breathing. And all she did, all the Holy Spirit told the wife to do is use Mark eleven twenty-three. He will live and not die. My husband will live and not die. And when she got up and gave testimony, he said, how long did you say it? She goes, I said it thousands of times. All night long, morning, noon, and night. When did he get better? Well, about the third day, he started breathing a little better. After about a week, he started breathing even more. And after about two weeks, they took the stuff off him where he could breathe on his own. He didn't need any help or anything else. And within, uh, I think it was a month, he was completely healed. My husband will live and not die. Now, if she's Christian, and she says that, and angels are listening, that spirit of death cannot take that person. How many people do you know he said, "I'll never live past 40." I remember there's uh, one testimony Kenneth Hagin was saying. The guy who said, "I'll never live past 40," I'll never live past 40. Then he went into a coma at 40, and Hagin went to pray for him. And he heard the words. He says, "Spiritual laws have been put in place that cannot be reversed at this time." And so the guy died. And Hagin. I don't know if it was Jesus told him or whatever, but he says, well, that's what Jesus told him. That the spiritual laws have been put in place that cannot be reversed at this time. And then, he, then he found out at the wake and whatever, this guy always said, I will never live past 40. I will never live past 40. Spirit of death showed up when he was 40, and he died when he was 40. And he was in a coma, so he can't reverse the words that were already put into effect. Spiritual laws have kicked into effect. The angel of death was there to back up his words. Life and death are in the power of your tongue, and those who love it will eat the fruit thereof. Same thing with Norval Hayes about the story about the warts with his daughter. All he did was curse them. He commanded those warts to die in Jesus' name for 40 days. On the 36th day, eight warts disappeared. On the 40th day, all of them disappeared. It was just his words. And then, uh, you know, he's got stories about casting out demons. He went to go cast a demon out of a person. A student it was, a guy who ran around. Actually, he, uh, I think he streaked in one of the events. He went streaks. And after he streaked, he, uh, a demon got in him. And uh, Norval Hayes sat there, and he says, Come out of him in Jesus' name. And nothing happened. He just kept saying it. And then he got tired. He'd sit down. He'd rest in his chair. That's what Norval Hayes said. He, I just rested in my chair. And he goes, And the devil would do all kinds of crazy things. He goes, Come into the body and then just look at him like this with his hands up in the air. He goes, You can act and do all you want, but you're coming out of that kid. You're coming out of that kid. In Jesus' name, you're coming out of that kid. You cannot stay in that kid. you got to come out. And he continued on and on, all night long. And then they came in because the kid started saying, you know, I want water, I want water. He says, you ain't going to get any water. You're coming out of that kid. And there were people at the door wanting to come in. Norval says, they're not coming in. You're not coming in. If you want this kid delivered, you're not coming in. So 1 o'clock the next day, he ministered to him all night, all morning, to one o'clock the next day. And that's when the demon left. Why? Because he's a king. And he says, you got to come out. And sometimes you get rebellion. And you just keep coming at you with your words. You're not going to stay. You're going out. You're coming out of this kid. You're not staying in Jesus' name. He's acting just like a king would. Centurion said this. So said, Jesus said unto him, I will come and heal him. Because they asked him to heal a servant. Centurion answered and said, Lord, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof. But speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. For I am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this man, go, and he goes. And to another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to them that followed, Verily I say unto you, I have not found so great a faith, no, not in Israel. He said, I understand how words work. Say it. I say go, and that guy goes. I say come, and the guy comes. I understand how it works. Just say your word, Jesus. I know. And Jesus said, that's amazing. Because that's exactly how it works. And Jesus said to the servant, go your way, and as you have believed, so be it done unto you. And his servant was healed in the selfsame hour. Speaking the word and making it effective in your life. How about Philemon 6, verse 6 through 8. It says, here, excuse me, that the communication of thy faith may become effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. How does your faith become effectual? How does your faith actually become effective? By the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. If you acknowledge every good thing that you have in Christ Jesus, your faith becomes effectual. What if you don't acknowledge it? Then it doesn't become effectual. I have the peace of God, I have the wisdom of God, I have the mind of Christ. I have the power to cast out demons. I have the power to lay my hands on the sick and watch them be healed. I have the power to speak in tongues. All right, Don't acknowledge it. Don't believe it. And that scripture doesn't mean anything, right? That the communication of your faith may become effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. Romans ten nine ten 10, salvation scripture. That if you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and shall believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. I believe in God, but I'm never going to say it. All right, don't say it. And you won't be saved. Because you've got to say it with your mouth. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. I see, that scripture was just thrown in there for kicks, right? No, it wasn't thrown in there for kicks. You got to say it. What is the difference between someone who prays and someone who doesn't? Someone is talking to God. James says, you have not because you ask not. James 4.2 says, you lust and have not. You kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. You fight and war, yet you have not because you ask not. The angel told Daniel, Daniel 10 verse 12 says, Then said he unto me, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and to chasten thyself before thy God, thy words were heard, and I have come for thy words. Why did he come? Because of Daniel's words. I have come for thy words. I think words aren't important. Jesus said you're going to be held accountable for every word you ever uttered. And by your words you'll be saved, and by your words you'll be condemned. In um, Acts chapter ten, you had Cornelius. The story of Cornelius. He was praying and everything else, and you know the angel came, sent Peter, and then Peter got heat for going to the Gentiles, and he said, "Look, an angel appeared to him and said to him." Chapter 11, verse 14. And he showed us, uh, 13, he said, And he showed us how he had seen an angel in his house, which stood and said unto him, Send men to Joppa, and call for Simon, whose surname is Peter, who shall tell thee words, whereby you and all your household shall be saved. Men are saved by Words. Words. who shall tell thee words, whereby you and all your household shall be saved. Life and death are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat the fruit thereof. I was listening to Joyce Meyer's sermon while we were in Florida there. She came on and she said, you know, Uh, She was talking about sowing and reaping. She says, if you uh, sow lifting weights, you'll reap muscles. If you uh, sow stretching, you'll reap flexibility. If you sow food, you'll reap fluffiness. (laughs) The point is, every day you're sowing words. You're releasing angels. You're sowing things into your life. Every day. Every thought that comes out of your mouth. And you're reaping it. You're reaping your words. Watch what you say, good or bad, because your words are being heard and they're bringing life or death. Speak God's words and bring life and light to your life. Amen. Thank you so much for being with us today. Our prayer is that your life be enriched through the power of God's word and that you be filled with his love and strength as you daily serve him. To learn more about our service times and our ministry and how it is that you can partner with us Visit us online today at romechristiancenter.com.